0: to the 112th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW. With the proclivity for positivity, welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is newly mentioned to be second row at All Out 2021 AEW show at the Now Arena this uh, was it August or September? Regardless, he's going to be in All Out. He will be in the second row. It is Mr. Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing, my man?
1: I am doing great. Uh, it is, my name is Flyod. That is F-L-Y-O-D. Uh, yes, today was a great day. I got to meet one of, a person I looked up to as, my, as a child. Well, actually, not as a child. It was kind of as a tween or whatever. Uh, The star of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mr. David Yost. He played the Blue Ranger, which was Billy. Triceratops. So, I was very happy to meet Mr. Yost. It was nice to meet him. I told him, like, when Power Rangers was big, I was in that weird 11 to 13-year-old range where I was into it and my friends weren't because they were all trying to be grown-ups or whatever. But, the big story is... He literally asked me. I handle my pop. He says, what's your name? Floyd. How do you spell it? I said, F-L-O-Y-D. He signs it. Thanks me for meeting him. Then I look at the damn pop. F-L-Y-O-D. <laughs> It would be different if I if one of the most famous athletes in the world didn't have the same name as me. It'd be different. I'd be like, oh, Floyd's an old-timey name. You know what? No big deal. But literally, one of the most recognizable sports faces in the world has the exact same name as me. F-L-O-Y-D. And he spelled it wrong. But let me tell you, he made up for it by being super fucking awesome. He spent like Three to four minutes with each person asking about themselves when they watched the show. Took a picture. He did social distance. It made for an awkward picture for me because I'm in Oklahoma. We're not social distancing anymore. So I'm kind of in front of him and he's kind of in behind and we both got masks on. It's just like I shouldn't have played for the photo op, but I still have it. You know, whatever. So I met the Blue Ranger. I met the Black Ranger in June or late May. So I've gotten two of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, that's the thing. He spelled my name wrong on this thing I will have in infamy. And you know what? I will always have a story when someone asks, when they see the name, they're like, he misspelled your name. I'm like, let me tell you. It'd be different if I didn't spell it for him before he wrote it. But hey, yeah. shit happens. I get it. That's a little fun story to get us kind of warmed up for the show. But yeah, met a Power Ranger today, had him sign a pop. It's funny. I had never touched a pop, ever. And uh, about, I'd say, three, four years ago, my friend Alex bought me a pop of The Rock. And he bought it, and you know I put it in a case, and then it's like two years later, I found out that You know, it had been vaulted. Right. And this was extremely like a rare pop. And it's like one hundred and ten dollars. This pop that he got from vintage stock for seven ninety nine. The ticker was was sticker was still on there that he got because he's like Floyd likes the rock is now worth one hundred and ten dollars. No autograph, no anything. And I was like, huh, that's a cool thing to get signed when you meet people. So when I was going to meet people, now when I meet people, I see if they have a pop, I order it, and then I go get it signed. Now I have so many pops that they don't fit on my display. So, like, you know, I got, like, just some name a few, like, I got, like, Braun Strowman, uh, you know, I got two Kevin Nash's, I got a Diesel one, and the NWO Kevin Nash, I got Shawn Michaels, Eva Marie, of all people. I, I, like, I have, like, 50 pops now and like half of them are signed so it is unbelievable it is unbelievable that uh you know this started with just a friend giving me a gift because he knew I liked the rock
0: yeah, I will. I will add on to your story, actually, about uh, misspelled uh, uh, signatures, actually, because I've got a good one at least to lead us into that, too. First, the first time I met CM Punk was at All In weekend when he was doing a uh, meet and greet uh, autograph signing and, pic- and photo op at Pro Wrestling Tees. And um, it was weird. You went through the first time in through the line and you got your photo taken with him. And then you went through a second time through the line. And that's when you would get the signature Um, So when I went through the signature, uh, my lovely sister Sydney was uh, too busy to be at the Paws Chicago meet and greet where she got to be with Cody and Pharaoh and Brandy for that photo op. Uh, I had a a CM Punk photo op for her. She chose to uh, miss that and go to the Paws one because, of course, that one had a dog. Larry, unfortunately, was not at CM Punk, so I understand why. But I ended up still being able to get a signature for her because uh, they were like, yeah, sure, you can get that for her. And I was just like, oh, my sister Cindy couldn't come. Uh, could could you sign this for her? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So he signs it, and uh, my sister's name is spelled like Cindy Australias. So, so S-Y-D-N-E-Y. Punk signed it, Cindy, like Cindy from Jimmy Neutron, C-I-N-D-Y. Uh, And he wrote it like, oh, sorry, I missed you and all that kind of stuff. So I get in my hands and I look and I'm like, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Punk. Bye. Because I was so nervous to be like, oh, you spelled it wrong. And plus, I was kind of like in the back of my head. I'm like, this is what you get for not coming to see Punk. So I just walked off with the wrong spelled signature. And I was laughing as I got out of there because I was like, oh, my God. So good. And then um, to add on to, uh, to Floyd's Pop figure uh, story. I've got a good amount of those too. Uh, the w- only one that I spent a significant amount of money on, of course, was a CM Punk one that was vaulted because uh, I fucking had to. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a nice little opening, I think, to uh, to lead into this episode of All Things Elite. Though we've got a lot to talk mm-hmm. about with this show because we had Road Ranger, Road Ranger that was this week. We're leading into Fighter Fest. Uh, we are, of course, getting ready for All Out with tickets going on sale. Before we get into the entire show, though, I want to make sure you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other platforms that you get podcasts, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It means the world. You can also leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And the easiest way... To support us is just to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at AT Pod. At social suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Be sure to give them a follow and check out all their other podcasts. They are part of our podcast network that make this show possible. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And of course, big news of the week with AEW is that all-out tickets went on sale. Last weekend, uh, on on Thursday, they had the pre-sale because Pro Wrestling T sent out emails with pre-sale codes. I was able to get one. And then the general admission sale happened on Friday. And they included the combo packs where you could get uh, Dynamite, Rampage, and All Out all at once. Uh Floyd, uh you managed to get second row like I said which I still can't fucking believe cuz I had a mess of a time trying to get tickets for this show. So I want to hear exactly like how the hell did you get second row?
1: Okay. So first of all, they sent the code out to everybody. So Thursday was basically the general on sale. I mean, I yeah. saw the code everywhere. But uh yeah, um I was on the phone with JR. We were doing a tag team thing, right? And I had my computer and I had my phone, right? So JR gets through and he says, I got three tickets in this area. And I was like, okay, I'm not through. I'm like on my computer. I got like 174 people in front of me on my phone. I have like seriously 200 and something in people in front of me. So I'm like, there's no way I'm getting through. So he gets through, buys the three tickets. I actually exit out on my computer, but I forget about my phone, right? So he goes through. And then it just pops up. They're like, oh, you're in the queue, right? On my phone. I'm like, oh, okay, might as well see what they got. Boom. Section B, row two, seats one and two. Bam. Bottom. Dude, like my phone was 700th in line at the beginning. So this literally had to be someone that clicked on the tickets and had a problem with the payment and they got released. It, it wasn't like just there. It had to be someone that had the two tickets in their inbox and somehow the uh, box expired. Either they didn't like the tickets or, you know, their payment process didn't go through because it refreshed. It came back up. I literally thought when I clicked on it to get those two tickets, it was going to say, oops, those tickets are all gone. They didn't. It said in the box. And I was like, this is second row to all out. I have to buy these tickets. So I bought them. And we so we ended up with five tickets to the show. It was yeah, it was kind of awesome. It was yeah, yeah and yeah, with what happened the rest of the day. With uh, we can, I guess we can cover this now. The damn tickets sold out for All Out, All Out, Dynamite, Rampage. You can go on and get tickets right now But All Out, the eleven thousand whatever that uh, it holds completely sold out zero tickets available um yeah uh yeah uh what was it hold on a second uh this is from dave Meltzer. uh uh they however the seven every ticket from the pre-sale went on sale uh they held some tickets back for public sale on the eight but they sold out uh, what's most impressive that only 600 of the tickets bought on the secondary market from the pre-sale were, uh, were on the up on the secondary market, which is like a shit low number. Like the average is like 2000 of those tickets being on sale, but only 600 tickets. So the people that bought the tickets, there are people that are going to the show. And that's crazy, and it's crazy affordable. I will tell anybody if you want to know four hundred dollars for second row three day passes. Yeah, that's that's that, insane. That's a that's like I think only like fifty dollars more than I paid to go to two day WrestleMania, and I was yeah. in the hundred section. I wasn't on the floor. Oh no, no so. This is like in the hundred section. So this is like you. Anybody wants to talk shit about AEW, I, you know what? You are more than free willing to. But I'm pretty sure you're not talking shit if you're listening to this show. But you have to imagine that how much they could have charged per ticket.
0: Sure,
1: that's eight hundred. I'm mean, easy eight hundred dollars per ticket for three for three shows in the first five rows. You get to take a chair home. Oh yeah. You charge yeah. eight hundred, I wouldn't have said anything. They charged four hundred. I was able to get me and my friend a ticket for you know a great value. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's cheap. It's not. Tickets no. in general are not cheap. This I'm just saying it's a great value for what you get. I I was very excited that you know if I've said this before on the show. If you listen, All Out 2019, the greatest wrestling experience of my life. It was because. My good friend Tiffany got us first row tickets. She got Yes. She got first row tickets and she said, "Hey Floyd, you're sitting next to me, right?" That's how it happened and and I was like, "I don't think I'll ever be able to repay it." And I got second row, same side for the same show.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, like, I, me and Cindy were hard cam for the first time I've ever. We've never been hard cam. And, like, when Orange Cassidy debuts, you can very clearly see me and her jumping around like fucking idiots because we're so excited that OC was there. Because we saw him, like, fucking at the GCW show just before. It was nuts. But uh, my experience, I will say real quickly before we get into the uh, Road Rager de- uh, 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 just going over everything my experience buying tickets not so great because i i got in so my sister and i were going in together um she also had the combo pack waitlist ready to go just in case uh we couldn't get anything and it's like okay if we can't get any normal all-out tickets we'll fucking go ahead try to get combo and then just bite the bullet on that and then try to see if we can go to any of those shows um I had, I was about 411 people ahead of me. Sydney was over 2000. So I was like, okay, it's on me. And I get in and every ticket I buy on floor, they kick me back saying there's something wrong with my device. So by the time I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on, all the floor seats are gone. So then I'm trying to get like lower bowl and they're still not letting me get anything in my cart. So I'm like, Sid, you're going to have to do something with the combo seats because I can't get a goddamn thing. Um, And then I tried to switch to my phone and then I was stuck in the queue again. And then if it wasn't for our our glorious, our mom of all people, she was able to somehow get us really good seats, lower bowl, close over to where the production crew is at lower bowl. And like the, I want to say like the sixth row, I think we got, which is really freaking, it's, it's pretty close to what we got for double or nothing 2019. And those were great seats. And we were just like, yep, that's what we're getting because I could have and very well should have got floor seats because I was like they were there and they weren't even being like, oops, another fan got it to you. They're like, oh, no, something's wrong with your device. And I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with my device. I tried to buy 21 Pilots tickets on this same device and you ripped them out of my cart saying there was something wrong with my device, even though I already had them in my cart. I was so mad. That's like I, I, I don't I. Austin Sumwoods, I don't like Ticketmaster. Like, put that on my tombstone. I don't like Ticketmaster. I very much preferred it when we did it through, uh, even though it was a very bad site, because it wasn't ready for the traction. If When we did it through Sears Center's site, I much preferred that. <laughs> but, yeah, we're both going to All Out, though. Thankfully, that is still the case, and I'm I'm very happy that Floyd was able to get second row, which was awesome. And I'm just happy me and Cindy get to go because honestly, that was just the main thing we wanted to do. We wanted to try for floor again because it was so cool the last time, but we are more than happy with what we got right now. Yeah. And it's awesome
1: that we're all going to be there and get to hang out, you know, uh, and I, I, you know, that's awesome to me. I just, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I, I, I truly believe it's impossible to have a bad time. Because it's just so many wrestling fans. Such a you know, East Chicago's a big area, but that Schomburg to Hoffman Estates area is not very big. So it's just like you're right there with all your people, hugging on everybody, loving on them real good, and it's just gonna be it's just gonna be a hell of a time and I'm looking forward to it. I'm we're gonna be happy to do a show. I, I you know, do a show as soon as we can after the show because, you know, we're going to be there. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I am looking. Everybody's like, oh, this is going to happen. I'm like, whatever they do, I'm down for. I am definitely down for me some Kenny Omega versus Hangman or whatever match they come with. I like I like I've heard a lot of speculation and I'm just like, you know what? I was there for all in. It didn't disappoint. I was there for All Out. It didn't disappoint. I was there for the other All Out that didn't disappoint. So, you know, that other All Out, yeah, my tag team did become the tag team champion, so you know, that's a thing. Uh that so a thing. That, that, that happened. So every time, there's it. All in, Cody became the NWA champion. All Out, uh, first All Out, I got to see r Anderson do a fucking spine buster, which if anyone knows me, that was like like a bucket list holy grail thing. I got to see it and it was like five feet in front of me. And then, you know, and then last year, FTR became the tag team champions. So, you know, this has been a good event for me <laughs> as a wrestling fan. It's been a, it's been a all right event for me.
0: Absolutely. But with our little escapades of getting all out tickets, uh, if you tried to get tickets, we hope you got them. And hopefully we'll see you guys at the show if you're there let's get in
1: oh i want to throw something out from andy combo tickets apparently you're getting one ticket for the three days yes it's all
0: it's all three days it's like there's not three separate tickets it's two Uh, it's like one ticket for all three events
1: so you can't split it up and like oh i just want to go to all out so i'm gonna sell my dynamite and uh rampage no no You just won't be going to Dynamite and Rampage and just be showing up to All Out. I mean, that's how it works. I think that's the fairest way to do it. It's going to make the tickets really hard to scalp, you know, because who's going to want to pay an exorbitant amount if they only need a ticket to one show?
0: Yeah, it's very simple like that. Um, But, yeah, once again, if you guys got tickets um, that's awesome. Hopefully, we'll see you guys at the show. Don't do not be afraid to say hi. I promise you that.
1: No, no, I will be in my super loud patriotic Cody Rhodes jacket, and it'll be me and Tiffany in our jacket. So you will be able to find us. Uh, Austin, Austin, are you going to be looking Chicago made when you're there? I
0: might have, I (laughs) might have my, I might wear my Chicago CM Punk jacket. Not because I think CM Punk will be at the show, but just because it's very Chicago and I think it looks cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will wear something very AEW underneath it. Sure. It really depends on how the weather is, but I will bring it for sure. And then we'll see if I wear it. But other than that, we can get into the review for AEW Road Rager. Uh, we opened up. With that South Beach strap match with the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes facing off against QT Marshall. Uh, I'll, I'll go through this match actually real quick. I normally toss it to Floyd, uh, but I'll go through this match relatively quick because it wasn't anything too long or anything. I think it was a very strong, fun uh, strap match with a bit of a tease of what could possibly happen later at the night because during the strap match, the lights went out for a good bit and then they came back on and Cody was like, what the fuck ah whatever it was probably nothing uh and i was like oh something's happening later in the show because they were like oh it's obviously the weather has been pretty bad in florida so storms are still coming through and all that and i looked at the radar i'm like no there isn't there's nothing there at all y'all are fucking with us um but this was really really strong i loved i love seeing cody do these old school style matches him and dustin really love to keep that style of wrestling alive and strap matches are really physical i especially love the spot too which was really clever of uh qt going around the ring tapping each corner and then cody's right behind him secretly trying to touch the corner behind him so he doesn't notice and then try to steal it right at the end i thought that was really clever and it like was a nice little like oh the fans are in on this little spot oh my god is cody gonna steal it Um, But this was really good. QT ended up not getting the win on this because he's just not going to beat Cody in that. Cody hit three crossroads on QT after getting spit in the face. uh, And then afterwards, he just real quickly slap, 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 turned all four corners and hit them, won the strap match. And it was a cool really cool opener I think it was pretty smart for them actually to open with this because it was a nice little gimmick match to open up the show he gave everyone Cody at the start great way to keep the crowd hot like just coming off of uh the the show starting like keep to hype them up um but I'll throw it to the Cody man uh for Floyd for the for going over this match uh, okay after.
1: I usually would give all credit right now to Cody Rhodes because that's what I do that's the gimmick but I am going to reverse it a little bit because everybody says no one cares about QT Marshall. No one cares about this QT feud. It's stupid. Why are they wasting time? Guess who was number one of those people saying it? Me. With, my, it yeah, oh. with my thumb over the head. I was like, this is beneath Cody. Guess what the highest drawing segment on this AEW episode was? QT Marshall versus Cody Rhodes.
0: Oh, shit.
1: QT is a draw. QT is officially a draw. The highest number the AEW pulled all night was in the first quarter hour with QT Marshall and Cody freaking Rhodes. Now, when Cody just got pissed off, started no-selling the uh started no-selling the straps. Okay, yeah. I mean, my chest puffed up like it was me doing it. I'll tell you. And then, <laughs> and then he just drove him in the head, like with those three crossroads. That's like, that's like if you've noticed over almost two years that AEW has, well, it's over two years. When Cody gets really pissed, you get three crossroads. That's that's the thing. It's like you have crossed the line, and it was like he gave him the moment. I don't know if anybody ever seen great white hype with Samuel L. Jackson. Um, You know, Damon Wayans character is the boxing champion and he's a Peter Berg is the challenger. And there's this part where they're just kind of boxing around and Peter Berg hits him with an overhand right. And then the Damon Wayans character looks at him and says. You're trying to embarrass me on national TV, and then the next minute and a half is him just beating the shit out of him. That's what it felt like with that Cody moment. It was like QT got him one good time across the chest, and Cody looked at him and was like, "You're trying to embarrass me on national TV," and just took him out, took him to the woodshed where QT belonged. And it was like, oh, he's, and it was such a emphatic win. You were like, so what's Cody gonna do now? And we, I guess, we get that answer later on. God, how the show is booked, I can't say it's perfect. How AEW is booked is perfect, but I can say it is ninety percent exactly what I want almost every time.
0: You can say truly that they're like it feels like stuff is connected. It feels it like it? Yeah. we're 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 not being like like jolted around with like things changing and like things not lining up with storylines and like things being dropped and then like all of a sudden oh they're back and then like oh no we've completely forgotten about this um, it feels like everything is being strung along whether or not it's your thing is under is your call it's your opinion uh, but at least it's being strung along like at a reasonable pace and like logically booking it the way that it it, it feels it should go. One Maybe fe- it's not the way that everyone wants it to go, but it, like, it feels like this is where they it to take it, and they're going at that pace that they want to.
1: Yeah, one feud ends, you know, another one begins, so we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily.
0: Yes, and short little segment where Sean Spears was talking smack about Je- uh, Sammy Guevara, and uh, basically being like, giving him crap still, and then Sammy proceeds to just throw a steel chair at the side of his head, and continuing their feud that's going on and then we get an in-ring interview with tony shivani with the aaw world champion kenny omega and don callis uh gets on mic and continues once again lists off everyone kenny's beat we've got so many titles around the world we gotta entourage just to transport these belts but We've beaten everyone here. We just need to like focus on defending our other titles as opposed to the AEW title because there's no one here that we can beat. Uh, fans were chanting for Hangman, and then Dark Order once again comes down saying, you're ignoring the crowd, and you're ignoring the number one ranked wrestler in AEW, Hangman Adam Page. Kenny then proceeds to uh, go to Evil Uno and be like, you're a smart man what's the capital of Thailand? And Evil Luna was like, what, are we doing trivia right now? And he's like, listen, I don't want to deal with... He gets low-blowed, kicked in the nuts, and Teddy's just like, it's Bangkok! And I was just like...
1: (laughs) It was amazing, because it was so
0: cheesy. It 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 was was so so cheesy. cheesy. It was so dumb. I had a friend of mine who uh, absolutely hated it, thought it was like on par with some of the bad scripted jokes that wwe makes and i would and i was like yeah you can i think you could think that but at the same time though immediately after that uh the good brothers come out to uh, help kenny and then hangman comes out beats up all of them and then we get the glorious face-off between kenny and hangman so even though the joke in a lot of people's eyes was pretty shit I got that afterwards. So they could have said fucking anything beforehand. That face-off with fucking Kenny and Hangman calling all the way back to Revolution 2020 when Hangman was teasing that little feud with them where he had his, his hands locked, ready to do the buckshot lariat with Kenny's back turn. And now they're looking at each other at the same position. Like, you can't fucking tell me this isn't great. Like I was fucking popping off, dude! Like this that, right here. Yeah, there I'm, was
1: a callback in the build up. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes, you got to think about that. There was a callback in the build up. That's awesome.
0: It's it was so good. So if you didn't like the the Bangkok joke, understandable. I thought it was cheesy in a good way, and it was yeah. dumb, and I it still got a laugh out of me. No. Well, I I I'm, I, I'm, I I'm so fucking happy that they're going with <laughs> Hang, Hangman and Kenny and. God damn it, man, this feud is over, and it's just started. I thought it was good
1: heel heat, the Bangkok thing. Because he knew people would hate it. That was the goal. It wasn't supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be womp womp. It was supposed to be that. It was supposed to be Kenny Omega is cringy, and you're supposed to hate him. Because you can't hate people. Like You have to understand this is 2021. Hill heat is a little different than it used to be. You used to just go out and make fun of the city or call somebody fat and you get booed and people want to get you beat, beat up. But that's not how it works anymore. You have to do more subtle things or more over the top things to be heels without actually, you know, being mean to people. Like, I can be mean to this person, but I can't be mean to a general group of the area. So, Kenny, evil uno's kind of beloved and kenny omega was you know you know cheap shot at him in the nuts and then he had a face off with that's heat that's the heat that you need because that's what heat is now like old school jim cornet heat or whatever that doesn't fly that's how you get canceled now
0: mm-hmm. yeah and that's like it's that's the thing is like people complain of how like heels and AEW are cool and they're not actually like hated was like well saying dumb shit like that that's obviously not cool is a good way for getting people to hate you yeah
1: we'll talk about the bucks gear later (laughs) but yes
0: yes but yeah this was great i love this i'm so excited for it like there's your long-term storytelling right there it's fucking great uh we then had the sit down interview with jim ross interviewing all ego ethan page and darby allen and they continued to tie in of their feud that was happening before AEW. Um, and I loved how Darby was like, my first year in wrestling was Ethan's 12th. He couldn't stand that. And I made it to where he was that in just one year and he was there. Um, and then I made it to AEW before Ethan did. And he couldn't stand that either. And he was like, yeah, that's a hundred percent right because you were nobody. And, I plucked you from obscurity. You'd be living in your car still if it wasn't for me. And he's like, I'm going to take you out in our coffin match next week. And um, (laughs) Jim Ross is just like, this is not – I have a bad feeling about this match. And, yeah, it's a nice little calm before the storm promo between these two. I
1: love the whole – He's like, I hate that you're talking about ending each other's career. Like that's a real reaction from a real oh, person. Yeah, J.R. Is just like, no. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. No, you're not talking about fighting. You're talking about ending careers. Evil Ethan. Like the first time I really paid attention to Ethan Page, he was in impact and he was playing this like really evil character. And I was like, man, this dude is money. He is a top heel somewhere. This is one of the first times that I saw it relayed on e- AEW A- that this guy's an evil bastard. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I won't. I'm not trying to beat you. Shit, if I get the one, two, three, whatever, I am trying to end your career. I am going to make my name off of making it where you can't wrestle anymore.
0: Yeah, and he said it before. is like. I beat you in a two-on-one handicap match. I don't fucking care. Yeah, I want want you to be in pain. I want you to be not wrestling anymore. This is so intensely personal so quickly.
1: It was uh, one of my most anticipated... When I heard Ethan Page was a free agent, and I assumed he was going to sign with uh, AEW, this was my anticipated feud. I did not think they were going to give it to us this quickly, but this was it because they have this long history. They're not ignoring the history. There's a big-size disparity, so Diary is obviously the underdog, and it's it's just going to be fun.
0: It's going to be a ton, a ton of fun. Um, we then had the six-man tag match between the Inner Circle with Jake Kager, Santana, and Ortiz versus the Pinnacle with FTR and Wardlow and at ringside for both teams, we had Conan for the Inner Circle and Tully Blanchard for the Pinnacle. And this was a pretty pretty good match, I think, honestly. Uh, these guys are all good together. We've seen the continuation of the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle feud still moving outside of just the, uh, the Blood and Guts match and the Stadium Stampede match. And now they're kind of just doing... They're all fighting with each other just in separate feuds. We have Sammy and...
1: It's funny. It's a reverse feud. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird. This is a reverse feud. Usually, you end with blood and guts and stadium stampede. They started with blood and guts and stadium stampede and kind of working backwards to Chris Jericho versus MJF.
0: Yeah, I think they just realized like that was going to be the match to cap it off because I think they just wanted to keep it... uh Singles match to just finish it off with the two leaders, which is interesting. Um, but I don't think it's an issue really because I think people still love seeing these two teams go at it. Um, this match was fun, I think it was pretty good. Um, I especially loved uh, uh, after uh, Tully Blanchard got the distraction that was uh, causing FTR to win, I was like, Conan, you probably should have done something about Tully, and he kind of came in eventually at the end. And uh, he hit Wardlow with that mad ball sock, but then Tully just proceeded to hit him with a chop block. And I was just like, well, you came in too late and you got hit anyway. So there you go. I'm sorry, Conan.
1: Yo, Tully's so good at this. Conan is, you know, Conan is still, like, like, he, he, I mean, he carries a name in wrestling, especially with what he did to LAX in the relationship with Proud and Powerful. It was, it was, this was done perfectly. So yeah, I, I definitely, I just like, anytime I get to see Tully do something like a fame chop block on Conan, just think about this. If I said this to you in 2000, that in 2021, uh, Tully Blanchard was going to be chop blocking Conan. What? One was a talent in the 80s, one was the 90s. They're not, you know what I mean? It's just kind of cool.
0: All right. Well, up next, we had the announcement that next week at Fighter Fest, we have another defense of the IWGP United States Championship with one John Moxley returning to action. And he will be defending that title against the machine gun. Carl Anderson of the Good Brothers, of the Bullet Club, of the Elite. And yes, I love these U.S. title defenses that we're getting with the IWGP U.S. title. I love seeing that belt defended. It gives John uh, stuff to do, obviously, because he's... Other than being off TV recently for being with Renee and hit their new child, um, he'd been doing stuff with, uh, obviously, with Eddie Kingston... But that had come started to come down and wind down a little bit as it gave time for Moxley to go away. But we're getting John back. He will be fighting and defending that U.S. title against a very avid former. uh, Did he? I'm I'm missing. I actually should have looked this up beforehand. Has Carl Anderson won any titles other than tag team titles in New Japan? Any singles titles for him? I, I am going to say no. I didn't think so. So I think this would be huge if that happened to Carl. Uh, regardless, uh I do like this this match is being made because Carl I think is still really good singles wise. Um John will win this match, but I I still love seeing this title defended. I still love seeing New Japan being brought up. The little interplay that they have with each other is great. Um yeah, I got nothing bad to say. It's like every time John defends the US title on Dynamite, I'm always excited.
1: I completely agree. Carl Anderson is an amazing wrestler, Don Moxley. Uh, he has this badass uh, mystique about him. Uh, this will be his first match back since having a kid. I expect him to be a little extra violent. And this actually continues the feud with Moxley and the elite, even you know from him coming back. So this does a lot of things. It pulls a lot of strings together. Gotcha.
0: And I just looked it up, too. He is a four-time IWGP Tag Team Champion, uh, and he won the G1 Tag League in 2009. He has not won any singles titles in it, in, 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 IW, in in New Japan. So, yeah, I think this would be r- really huge if that happened. I don't think it will happen, but regardless, it would be a cool story if that was the case. But I see John continuing to hold the title. Next, however, was the in-ring standoff between MJF of the Pinnacle And Chris Jericho of the Inner Circle, where Chris Jericho would be told by MJF what stipulations he had for their upcoming match. And before we even get started with this segment, we have to comment on Jackass Jackoff, who fucking decided it's a good idea to run the ring and try to punch Chris Jericho. It didn't go well for him. He got stopped by security. Jericho threw a punch at him, and then he got taken away. I hate talking about this stuff because these guys are not wrestling fans. They are not wrestling fans, and I refuse to look at them at that because if you're a wrestling fan, you would not be that dumb to try to get in the ring with these actual guys who could kick your fucking ass. And it's no disrespect. It's nothing. It's not. It's like, it's just I'm so happy wrestling is touring again. I'm so happy that fans are back in attendance. And then we have people like you ruining it for listener of Cornette. He was like, Hey, what'd you think of my debut? And then Jim Cornette basically was like, yeah, you fucking don't even do that again. It's like, you're an idiot for doing that. And you're being blocked. Um, And I, I know Kenny Omega made a comment about Jim being like, Hey, maybe you should tone down your internet persona a little bit. I'm kind of on that side too, because I won't even get into that really, but like, just I'm I'm on Kenny's side with that too. But um, very simple: don't rush the ring. You will get your ass kicked. You will be taken out. You will not be at another wrestling event. I don't even fucking like talking about stuff like this because the last time someone rushed an event at a major wrestling event was when someone tried to rush Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame, and I was so fucking furious when that happened. And thankfully, one of the members of FTR knocked that dude out uh, very strongly for that. So good on that.
1: Yeah, um, big thing for me on this is, and I said this before we got on the show, and I'm going to make this short, I hate this especially, of course I want the wrestlers to be safe, but I hate that wrestling fans get lumped in with this piece of shit. I, I, I I don't like that, because I am a wrestling fan, I know it's a show, my job is to make noise, be excited, and enjoy the show as a spectator. I am not a part of the show. People that do shit like this didn't have the talent, the hard work, or whatever it took to be a professional wrestler, and they will do anything to be a part of the show. And to me, at that point, you are no longer a fan. You are a wannabe wrestler, and I don't want to be lumped in with those people because I want to watch the show. I want to cheer. I want to boo, and I want to have a good time. I am not there to make myself a part of the show Which this idiot did. And like he doesn't really even deserve any more of our time. But Fat Bastard worked as a name. I guess that's his name on Twitter. That's his handle. That's his quote unquote gimmick. But dude. Nobody wants this. Even Jim Cornette. I'm like. I, I, I know Jim Cornette says outrageous shit. But in the end. He loves pro wrestling more than anything in the world. And he doesn't want people. Tainting the business. By rushing the ring.
0: Yeah, and you can be uh, happy that this was your only moment in the starlight because it's not happening again. And, like, bro, keep trolling if you want to do that, but that's all you'll be known for, and you're going to be your legacy, so knock it the fuck off. Because that's simply it.
1: I hope they caught it on DVR for you so you can go home and jerk off to it later. Whatever.
0: There we go. Now let's talk about the actual segment uh, where... MJF and Jericho went face-to-face. Jericho was like, you know what? I don't back down from anything. Uh, let's set up the stipulation. And Jericho is told by MJF about how MJF used to look up to him, followed his career, loved it when he was at odds with John Moxley. And in order to go and wrestle him, you made him wrestle every single member of the Inner Circle. So I'll do you one better. You'll have four of my opponents of my choosing— And they'll all have different stipulations. And then the last one, if you win those four matches, which you won't, you will get the MJF rub one more time and you'll get a match with me. So he signs the dotted line, says, if I can't beat your stipulations, I don't belong in AEW. I will beat them and I will ruin your life. And they shake hands and then proceeds to, after MJF tries to leave with a handshake, he pulls him into a Judas effect and... That was it. We got a little thing. We're going to get multiple Chris Jericho matches against MJF's opponents of choice, and that will lead into the match that MJF and Jericho will have. So we get four Jericho matches to look forward to, Um, and this was good. Other than jack off, it was good.
1: Yeah, it was kind of hilarious because during the Cody one, he said Cody couldn't touch him until the match. I was sure he was going to say that about Jericho. That's what I thought too. But he left it out. So Jericho can keep elbowing him in the face every week until their match if he wants to. I am excited to see who the four people are. I'm pretty sure they're going to be like the four biggest people ever. It would be cool if like the fourth or fifth one is the big show. Since Chris Jericho and Paul White were tag team in WWE I just think that would be interesting and a nice callback to the Jericho show tag team other than that use it to get new people over new violent people over I'm like Nick Camarado uh you know you know some of the bigger guys that don't get a lot of time uh use it to get them over
0: yeah and I think that will be strong uh and be really helpful so I am I'm completely in for in for that as well we then had the interview with Tony Schiavone and the AW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker DMD. As we could see, uh, Rebel was on crutches after her injury she unfortunately suffered beforehand. So Nyla Rose got called out after slamming Britt Baker through a table, and so it's like I will beat you in Night Two, and I'm going to send you not just back to the line for my title, I'm sending you back to obscurity. So. We got a little tease for that. It's continuing to happen. Um, and, yeah, I think that did what it needed to do. And I think we can move in real quick to the debuting, in-ring debut of Andrade El Idolo. I just,
1: I, I do want to throw in something about the women's match. Night oh, 2, sure, go ahead. Night 2 Fighter Fest, I'll be there.
0: There you go. Perfect. Uh, but, yeah, so we had that. And oh. then we have Andrade El Idolo versus Matt Seidel. The first match in AEW for Andrade Idolo, and this was a fun match Andrade looked really really strong uh I thought it was kind of odd that he was wrestling in like dress pants and stuff like that so like he had like his outfit that he pulled himself out of like his suit that he ripped off and then I expected him to have like tearaway pants as well not the case he just wrestled in the pants um but regardless these two guys know how to f- do some really high flying stuff Andrade uh, was able to do a little uh, tease to the uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero frog splash, Um, and Andrade was able to uh, fight back and got like a driving knee move, which looked really dope, and that was able to get the win on Seidel. It was a really strong um, debut for Andrade. I think now that he's actually in AEW and he's actually wrestling, I think people are realizing, oh yeah, this guy was really good. He had great matches in NXT Takeovers and like, we forgot how good he was actually because we kind of haven't seen him do stuff like this in a while and I think he will be a good add to AEW. I know it's like, we're getting a lot of additions and we will talk about one uh, very shortly. Um, So the roster is getting very loaded right now. Um, I could see Andrade continuing to do stuff around the Team T title as well Um, and I think like depending on what they decide to do with him he might even end up in tag team title contention perhaps um or if they make a completely new title with rampage coming up maybe we'll get that um but i could see him do a good amount of stuff in aew um and i'm excited that he's here i really am
1: yeah uh definitely excited um andrade did not i think he didn't look as good as i wanted him to look in his first match I think the pants had a lot to do with it. I know that's going to be weird to blame it on that, but I think the pants had uh, something to do with it. I think they were a little restricting, but I do want to point out, what color pants was he's wearing? Do you remember? Oh, white. Yes. So, right now, ROH Best in the World is going on, and there was a point where, you know, the Faction or whatever, and they stood over, they stood over a wrestler, and what color pants do they all wear sir white yeah white 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 pants not really uh you know like a traditional gear wear i you can say that's a coincidence all you want but yeah i think like faction ignoble or whatever it is i think they might be making an appearance soon
0: that I think that would be interesting. I, I have no idea. I, I do think that the white pants looked weird, like I said. I didn't think it really messed with uh, his debuting match. It was a very, like, typical debut where you're facing somebody who you can very clearly beat. And they gave him a good amount of time. But I just, like, I think as time goes on, we'll see more of Andrade. And I think we're going to get a good, really strong match. Uh, I hope he has something at all out, honestly, because I think all that would be a perfect place for him to really put on a strong match. Um so yeah, hopefully that is the case. But we got the announcement as well that next week for Fighter Fest Night 1, we are getting the Matt Hardy Christian Cage match. That's very much like using like a lot of the WWE history to lead into it. Um which I get. It's like it's kind of hard to not do that if you're making a match between these two. Um but I'm very excited for it nonetheless because I mean like These two guys have done so much in wrestling that just like that we get to see this match between two veterans, two legends in the game uh, on AEW. I'm I'm very hyped for it. Um, I don't know, like I I, I, while I think Christian is a pretty uh, ideal person to go over. I think they might try to keep this going for some reason, and I think they might give Matt Hardy a a sneaky win.
1: Yeah, that would be. That I think they might do that, I think uh, but I still think they're trying to build a contender for Kenny, so maybe Christian wins so they can get that match in. I knew everybody knows that I mean they kind of tease that match from night one, yep. so if Christian can get the big win and fight kenny i i mean that's a match that I would absolutely pay to see, and if you know. If they wanted to book it for Fighter Fest night too, I would not, would not be angry with that at all. You know, at nope. all. Nope. No, I wouldn't be angry.
0: But we have to talk about the next segment though, because this was the moment that everyone was talking about from Dynamite this week, from Road Rager. Arn Anderson was in the ring being uh, interviewed, uh, basically shouting out the fans, being happy that AEW was touring again.
1: And literally, I had no idea what this was for. I was like, what is this for? Yeah, we were like, why is uh, it just yeah. straight up our uh, uh, All I could think is, you know, he was going to announce that Cody was going after the TNT title. That was my guess. But it really, it wasn't promoted. So it really looked came out of nowhere.
0: Yes, but just like earlier in the show, the lights went out again. And there was when you knew that that was not a coincidence. As they came back on. The now renamed Malachi Black was in the ring, a.k.a. Tommy End, a.k.a. Alistair Black. He shows up and proceeds to black mass Arn Anderson and then proceeds to get ready as Cody runs into the ring and hits him with the black mass. Holy fucking shit.
1: The one with Cody was... I thought... I mean, the one with Arn was amazing. Arn took that bump. Amazing. But the one with Cody was kind of funny. Because Cody's like, what the fuck, dude? And, like, Cody... And he kind of gives him like, oh, it's okay. And Cody puts his hand down. Boom! Kick in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's so quick. It's such a sudden move. It's such a good, good move. move. <laughs> black Mass
0: is such a good finisher. Yeah.
1: Roundhouse kick to the face. Knocks out everybody. There's no real argument on that. So, man, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, Aleister Black was I thought ever since he debuted I saw you see him in progress and I thought he was cool but ever since he debuted with the coming up like out of a coffin thing and the kick in a, uh, NXT I have been just a big fan of his and the dude can work and it's just like he loves wrestling if you've ever caught one of his twitch things he just loves wrestling and it's like if you're like that you love wrestling. and You love a collaborative er- er- effort on what you do. It seems like AEW is the best place for you. So welcome Malachi Black with his black mask. Uh, you can get his shirt on shop Dude, I'm just really excited to have uh, Malachi part of the team. Uh, because no matter what, he will be used. That's all I can say.
0: Yes, no, no question about it, and it's actually quite amazing too because I I saw Andrade and Alistair face off for the NXT title in uh in NXT Takeover New Orleans when Alistair won the NXT title. Um, so I'm fucking so happy because I think Alistair was so good in NXT. I know he got mishandled on the main roster, shocker, but. I'm so happy he's here because he was one of those guys that when he was released, it was one of my top guys for AEW to sign because he really wasn't in WWE that long in order to like, like showcase himself. So I knew like if he went to AEW, like the whole WWE guy could have gotten rubbed off like very quickly. And he's so good that I'm just, he's like I said, he's been more known as Tommy End as opposed to. Alistair Black on the main roster at least. The, NXT the, sure. Yeah, but, the best
1: thing you can call him is the NXT guy.
0: Yes, which honestly it's like NXT guy, fair. Cuz I'm but I'm much happier you calling him NXT guy as opposed to WWE guy cuz that's kind of how it was. But dude, Malachi Black, dude, like I'm so fucking hyped. And like, I, I I popped I, so hard for him. I been- I know some people were saying uh, I think some people thought maybe Daniel could show up very soon. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take for Daniel Bryan to show up if he does, um, but I, this was one of the guys I wanted so bad.
1: Let me tell you, I have been hoping basically since Darby beat Cody for a Cody feud that meant something. That's been my thing. It's like I can handle Cody not being in the championship like a title pitcher all the time, but... When Cody's at his best is he's cutting promos in big moments, in personal feuds. Oh, my God. What's more personal than getting uh, kicking your coach in the face? You know what I mean? What's more personal than then kicking you in the face on your first night there? So I just think we're going to get a lot out of Alistair, and I think we're going to get some of the best Cody. I'm talking about Cody versus Jericho, Cody versus MJF, promos you know the promos that if you remember the promos people were talking about until the next Dynamite you know it was like they were on Bleacher Report because they was like man Cody killed this promo I need that Cody Rhodes back and I know it's hard because you know he's writing helping in the background but I just need that Cody back
0: Yeah, and I think with this feud you will absolutely you can get that for sure Um, but moving on from that we had Uh, mixed tag team action between Chris Statlander and freshly squeezed orange Cassidy versus the bunny and the blade. This was a cool little match. I think it kind of was like a, like a cool down from what happened, uh, beforehand because the reveal of Aleister black showing up on AEW was huge. So this was a cool little match, I think. Um, but I think, um, it, it kind of was there to uh just kind of put a lull and like cool the crowd down a little bit because we were getting close to the main event um but it was it was it was i don't i didn't have anything wrong with it i love every i love uh i think the bunny is really good and i love chris statlander being used more and orange cassidy is always great i want chris statlander to be continuing to build as she could be a strong contender for uh Britt baker's title i think that could be relatively believable i think um, but. Regardless, I thought this was all right. It did what it needed to do, I think. Yep, did exactly what it needed
1: to do. It did show Chris Statlander's athleticism, like busting out the 450. I thought that was incredible. And, yeah, and I think they did it in a more entertaining way. I was really dreading this match.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But after this, before we get into the main event, we had an interesting, I would say, segment where – uh, they had shown multiple times in the crowd that Amanda Nunes of UFC fame and I believe his name is pronounced Jorge Masvidal. They were in the crowd, which was uh, very cool. Specifically, a- Amanda Nunes. I thought when I saw her, I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, apparently WWE gets Ronda Rousey and we get Amanda Nunes. So, well, there's a cool little thing for you. Um, but then uh, Dan Lambert, who uh, was. Basically, the runner of American Top Team, which was related to those two, comes in the ring, basically be like, A.W. sucks. I'd rather watch uh, the old school uh, Florida Championship Wrestling Days. Uh, Tony Khan invited me here, but you know what? I should trust trusted my instincts. This place sucks. And then uh, Lance Archer, the Murder Hawk monster, comes out and then just beats the shit out of Dan. And there you go. That was the segment. It gave Lance something to do, which I think is cool. But this was kind of pointless. Uh, I was cool to see. Uh, like I said, it was very cool to see uh, Amanda Nunes. It was cool to see uh, Masvidal. But uh dude, did, didn't really need this. Dude. Uh, but it, uh, it wasn't meant uh, for us, I guess.
1: I dude, I will say, when it, if you needed to teach a class on getting kill Heat in 2021... Dan Lever could have taught it. All right, because that that was the perfect time. He he didn't say anything that could get him canceled. <laughs> he just said basically what you like sucked and what I like was good. Basically, he was Jim Cornette
0: in a a nicer way. Yeah, it's it was it was an easy way for him to. I mean, it's TP. It was yeah, GP. no, yeah.
1: It's cheap heat. I've heard him cut the basically the same promo in MLW and in Impact, but I don't care. It's very entertaining. And then Lance Archer with his whole Everybody Dies thing, it it worked all the way around. It was a very entertainment segment. And it got Amanda Nunez and Jorge Masvidal on your screen, which is cool because, you know, Amanda Nunez is the real baddest woman on the planet.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I guess that's really all to say about that. Uh, main event time, the AEW World Tag Team title is being defended in a street fight. The Young Bucks versus Mad King Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Merlo. This match was really fucking good. Um, we had just great, uh, table spots. There was even a spot where, um, like... Eddie Kingston, I think, at one point, rip, like took a table into the ring, ripped like the fucking endings off of the table, like the little thing that surrounds the the edges of the table. Rips that off. They like s- like slam him on the edge of like the end, like the like the table slipped upside down. They slam him on the table that way, and then they go through the table later in the match. Um, they got they so many high spots in this match. Uh, we got to see once again the elite hunter Frankie Kazarian. Powerbomb! Brandon Cutler threw a table. That was dope. Um, Gallison and Anderson showed up and took out Frankie Kazarian. And then they, br- the Good Brothers, brought out thumbtacks. Which then Eddie Kingston opened up. And then uh, after uh, Nick Jackson got hit, no, Matt Jackson got hit with a uh, with a trash can. Uh, Nick Jackson then proceeded to her and Kirana Penta onto those thumbtacks, and then they super kicked Eddie. And stuffed thumbtacks into his mouth and super kicked him. And that was the win of the match. That right there is a fun finish. You put thumbtacks in a guy's mouth and then kick him out of his mouth. I think that's a fun finish. Young Bucks retain the titles. They are continuing to be unstoppable. Um, and I mean, these were guys you could possibly see win them, but it was a very, very fun, very vicious match. A great way to end off Road Rager, honestly. Well, let me tell you about this match.
1: Real tag teams. We need them. They need a yes. feud with a real tag team. I know uh, Ray is out. I don't know if Ray was supposed to be in this spot or whatever. I know Ray is injured. I get it. Uh, I know Moxley was out looking after out his new kid. 100% get that. 100% understand. But there are too many established tag teams in your company uh, to keep putting on matches with non-established tag teams. Mm-hmm. I, and it's like, it's a, it's a small pet peeve of mine. They made it make sense by them winning the uh, eliminator match. The, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying, from a booking standpoint for someone who loves tag team wrestling like with a fiery passion that probably cannot be touched I want to see the tag teams that you're establishing and we're watching every week otherwise we're watching the other tag teams for no reason
0: Yeah no and let's we've we've done nothing but praise AEW and their tag team division with like how strong it is and wow yes Eddie and Penta have ties together because they were in a group together Um, They weren't, like, a tag team in that group. They were just in a group together. We have many tag teams in AEW. Yeah, why? A ton, and a lot of them are very good tag teams. Um, And I think it would be much better if those established tag teams got shots at the AEW tag team titles. And the Young Bucks have scrapped it with a lot of those tag teams before. So, honestly, it's like, why not just for the titles or like as the champions face off against these tag teams that you have in AEW because we haven't seen a good amount of them in a, in a good bid. Um, so yeah, putting matches with them, like it would be, it would feel new still because we haven't seen them in a while. And they, these guys haven't faced the young Bucks in a while. So like, yeah. Why, why couldn't that be any, why couldn't that same match
1: the same past two weeks that have happened been evil, Uno and Stu. Sure.
0: Yeah. It makes, like, it makes, it makes it plus I think like, well, well, fucking Eddie and Penta are both over like crazy, of course. So it wasn't like they weren't over. But like, I think in a match like this, well, I think I, I this, well, in an, in an extreme rules or in a street match, street fight match, um, these two being in it makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, guys like Stu and Evil Uno could very well ta- fight for the titles and It would be believable and fans would be behind it. And like, I don't know. I just, I feel like you have a lot of teams that you could be putting in these positions, but we're getting a lot of, of just thrown together teams of like people that are either in groups together or like maybe they've tagged once or twice together and then they're going to go for the titles. Like we love the tag team team division in AEW. We just needed to be seen, used going after the Young Bucks titles.
1: I think that's simply it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, no, there's nothing I can add to that. Yeah, that's that's it.
0: Yeah, but that was AEW Road Rager in Miami, Florida. Very, very strong show, I would think. Um, very cool to see AEW once again moving back to having live shows in other areas. Obviously, it's still Florida, but, you know, we're getting there. Florida man uh, rushes the ring. <laughs> yes, yes, we had Florida man. That's <laughs> You are now you are no longer a fat bastard, you are a Florida man. And that's probably the worst thing you could be. So fucking enjoy it. Um But yeah, this was a good show. I really enjoyed um all of it. Honestly, my favorite part was still the the face-off but, well, tied between Malachi Black debuting and then the face-off between Hangman and Kenny. So- that moment alone was just so Fucking well earned. I mm. loved it.
1: I got to give Malakai Black the number one. And two is Cody's face when he decided to not sell the uh, whip to the back. I just thought, of course, I am a Cody fan, so I was paying attention, like super attention. But that look on his face he gave where he's like, no, this is, this is not happening. And then he just started beating
0: QT's ass. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Well, we can get into the preview for night one of Fighter Fest, which honestly, as I'm looking at it, looks pretty stacked. We have a returning Yukazakazaki facing off against Penelope Ford. We're gonna have that IWGP US title match between John Moxley and Carl Anderson. Ricky Starks and Brian Cage are gonna be going after each other for the FTW title. They also had a little interaction on Dark this week. We're going to hear from Hangman Adam Page. We're going to get the Matt Hardy-Christian Cage match that was teased. And we're going to get the Darby Allin-Ethan Page match, the coffin match. That is going to be very, very exciting. Like, honestly, this match, this card looks fucking stacked. I'm a little nervous for Night 2 because technically, like, this is going to be one giant show. This seems really fucking stacked. So I hope Night 2 is it lives up to that as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and the most exciting part, I've already said my predictions. I do think FT, the team Taz is going to turn on a Ricky Starks. Also, everybody on Twitter, go check out Taz's Twitter. He put a picture of him from 1986 as Kid Crush. Dude, you won't even recognize the guy. You will only know it's Taz because Taz posted it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Christian Cage and Matt Hardy, looking forward to it. That's. Literally, I I probably saw, I can honestly say, I probably saw their first televised match against each other. You know what I mean? Because I was watching everything WWE back then, so I know I probably saw it. I can't say it's a vivid memory or anything. And then Darby Allin and Ethan Page, take my money, take everything, take my attention. I'm like literally going to have to call somebody and say, hey, I need you to watch my job and watch the computer why I give this match my full attention because I think it's going to be violence on a very, a level you haven't seen in AEW very much.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's going to be the case. But that is our preview for Fighter Fest. Uh, we'll go through some little news highlights and some other things real quick, and then we'll wrap up the show. So I'll toss uh, it to Floyd.
1: Yeah, we covered a lot of this. Uh, first one was Tommy Inn signs with AEW. It's official, uh, or excuse me, Malachi Black signs with AEW. But uh, so they uh, put that on there. Uh, we already discussed the ticket sale on out. But I did have a question, sir. Today, this week was NWO week in the WWE, and a brand friend brought up uh, a a question, and I would just like you to chime in, and then I'll chime in, and I like, you know, we don't gotta agree, but bigger impact on wrestling, NWO or the Bullet Club?
0: Uh, For me, as much as I love the Bullet Club, I think it's not a question that it's the NWO, because... WCW was an existing company before Monday Nitro, before the NWO. They were already a company and they were like there and they were in their territories. Basically, they were kind of acting as a territory in a time where pro wrestling was monopolized and there was really one game in town and they were still putting on shows. Um but when Eric Bischoff was given the hand the keys to the car from Mr. Ted Turner uh, he was told, we're going head-to-head with Vince, kick his ass. Um, and the big signing of Hulk Hogan was one of the big key factors of leading into WCW, Monday Nitro, getting an f- influx of people paying attention. And then when f- when Hulk was the third man after The Outsiders was going after a, uh, WCW guys repeatedly and causing havoc and... People didn't know if they were really supposed to be there or not. And it was really blurring the lines of what people were, what was real, what was not. Like, fans weren't used to seeing something like that. And then when Hulk Hogan was revealed to be the third man, like, the world exploded. Like, shit was being thrown into the ring. Like, the idea of Hulk Hogan being a bad guy was unthinkable. And the NWO literally carried a company on its back for months in terms of beating uh, WWE, it eventually became a, a bit of a factor in overflooding the company and kind of taking it down with them because they got so big that they kind of swallowed the company whole. But in terms of being a bigger impact, Bullet Club did so much of getting US fans' eyes on New Japan that probably didn't know them before, know much about Japan wrestling. And they made a huge impact in New Japan. You, like the amount of members that are so talented in that group is unbelievable, and no question about it. But it's 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 got to be NWO. As much as I'm an indie, I love the New Japan guys, and I love Bullet Club. It's got to be NWO.
1: Okay, so I get to play devil's advocate. You can literally, with the leaders of the NWO, I mean, of the Bullet Club, you can literally start a promotion. You're talking Absolutely. Finn Balor, AJ Styles. Uh, Kenny Omega and Switch play Jay yeah, White. Right. One point. Two, does AEW exist without the Bullet Club? No. Doesn't exist at all. Everything we do, this whole show, doesn't exist without the Bullet Club. You know? But, and I look at that and I was just like, and the fact is, the Bullet Club is still pulling strings from you know like it's still going it's still a thing and it's still expanding but you have villain enterprises you have the elite in, uh elite and aew all offshoots of it they have literally been in any every promotion outside actually every promotion even in the wwe if you call about the ogbc and the club they have done everything. It's like Bullet Club is like infected into everything in wrestling. You know what I mean? And I just when I look at it, when it's all said and done, I think NWO is for right now because in a way, Bullet Club doesn't exist without NWO because NWO was kind of the heel faction, and now the Bullet Club is. But if you look ten years down the line. You will probably be saying that you will probably be saying of all time that, you know, the Bullet Club is right there with NWO. Because the biggest piece of it is Kenny Omega. Uh How many memorable matches and memorable things has he done as a member or the leader of the Bullet Club? It's It's just crazy. You can't even... Almost put it in a book. They changed wrestling. And that's the one thing I think most people won't give them credit for. That NWO changed wrestling. They absolutely did. Bullet Club changed wrestling without a Hulk Hogan big name. Yeah. Because, I mean, mean, NWO doesn't work if it's not Hogan.
0: Yeah, and I think... Yeah, what you said is 100% true. I think it like as time goes on and AEW continues and like Bullet Club continues perhaps, um, I think the narrative could very well shift because like we're we're only a few like I said, like it's still only been like a little over 2 years of AEW's existence. So this could shift dramatically with um, how people view the different like who made a bigger impact as the company continues to grow on. But yeah, AEW doesn't exist without the Bullet Club and those members of the Bullet Club getting together, becoming the elite, all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a fun conversation to have. But at, at this point in time, I think you and me are both of the minds of... At this point in time, it's the NWO heads that oh, have yeah. the bigger impact on wrestling. They
1: have the edge. It's 25 years later, they're still selling tickets, they're still doing documentaries, still selling yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bullet Club, what's their I mean, the original Bullet Club, what's their hand sign? It's the two sweet symbol. When did that start? The NWO, um, you know? Yep. So, in the click. Yeah, yep. in the click, you know, you can't you can't say it. And it's funny, you know, X-Pac came up with doing that sign and it's like, just think of the mark that he's had on wrestling. Oh yeah! And like, everybody in DX, no one has tried to take that from him. They say X-Pac came up with the NWO symbol. He just saw some, he said he saw some German military or something do it, and he was like, man that looks cool, and then they started doing it. So it's like, (laughs) X-Pac one of the least members of the group, if you think about it, is one of the people that changed wrestling history forever because you can go Anywhere you see a person with the wrestling shirt on, you throw up the two sweet. They're gonna. They know exactly what to do. They throw up the two sweet with you, and if you go down low to go down low, they know exactly what to do, and they know how to make a kiss. And like that is the impact of the NWO. People are talking about. People are still chanting what twenty years later. People will probably be doing the NWO two sweet symbol long after I'm done watching wrestling.
0: Yes, I, I will say though I have thrown up two suites to people wearing Bullet Club shirts and they've looked at me weird And I'm like, bro, if you're going to wear the shirt and not too sweet Me, what are you doing?
1: Yes, yes, uh, and the last thing Is thoughts on a bigger venue uh, I actually put out a tweet today I'm just going to throw this out there and then I'll let you Take over, Austin Is I threw the tweet out there, I saw a lot of people Saying You know you know, we They should move into a bigger building The way I see it Sears Center Arena is AEW's Madison Square Garden. It's tradition. I know it's called the Now Arena. I'm still not calling it that. But the Sears Center Arena, it has the plaque with the Young Bucks face on it. And it's just like this homage. It is home. It is the birthplace. Even though Double or Nothing was the first show in Vegas, you know, I know that but Sears Center Arena was the birthplace of AEW that's where it was born so to come back there once a year for one of your pay-per-views I think it's perfect I understand the United Center even when we went to whatever arena that was what was the arena that we went to uh, for a revolution
0: oh uh, oh god Um, shit It's it's
1: connected to C2E2 Whatever it is, it was a great building, but did it feel like all in and all out, sir? The Wind Trust it, Arena. It, the Wind Trust the winner. Great arena. Great arena. I thought it was a great arena, but did it feel like all in and all out? No, it didn't. That building has a certain magnetic charm and feel to it because it's a big building, but at the same way, it feels like a small building. You know what I mean? There's 11,000 people in there. That's not small. You know, you know most of the places they go, dynamite are like five thousand, and this is like double that. It's just there's an energy. It's a it's magnetic. I even say that about Madison Square Garden. When I'm in Madison Square Garden, this huge, you know, historical arena, it still even when you're in the two hundreds, oh, it yeah. doesn't feel like you're that high. And that's how I felt it all out.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way with Madison Square Garden when I was at G1 Supercard. Like, there's something – like, that arena is so historic. Like, for most like people who go to New, – like, New Yorkers who go to Knicks games or go to Rangers games, like, it feels – it's just MSG. But for everyone else that are wrestling fans, that arena means so, so much more. And here's the deal with with uh, the Now Arena or Sears Center. Guys, they put a plaque on their on their building after All In. They are not going to stop going to that arena. There's so much of a connection with that arena being the arena where All In happened and when Cody and the Bucks put on that show and sold it out in half an hour. Like there's no way they don't stop going to that venue. It's just not I they could, they very well could do like, if they wanted to do Win Trust again, they could do that. If they wanted to do United Center, they could do that too. There's way too much no there's way too much connected to that arena, to Sears Center, to Now Arena, for them to go anywhere else around this time. It's it's basically like, like Floyd said, it's their MSG. Like, yes, they debuted their first pay-per-view at Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. It's, it's not going to change the fact that for a lot of people, All Elite Wrestling was born at All In. So I get it. It's in Schaumburg. It's not technically in Chicago. I'm sure Chicago fans would prefer, prefer if it was closer to Chicago than Schaumburg. But it's there's no way they're going to change it. And it it would feel wrong if it was, I feel like. So that's yeah. that, I think. Yeah,
1: and I think that's the last thing I had. It's just... Oh yes, be nice to Jr. That's
0: yeah. Don't fucking send death threats
1: like it's, for anybody. It's it's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, I, I mean, it's just the dude is seventy years old. He's been working in wrestling for my whole life, literally my whole life. He's been working in wrestling. If he occasionally messes up or calls somebody by the wrong name or something, his job is incredibly difficult. You could not do it better. I mean, Austin might be able to do it better, but I can certainly not do it better. I can only
0: pray to be anywhere near as good as JR is right now.
1: Yeah, he is the prototype of what a wrestling announcer should be. You know, my whole life, he's the voice of my childhood, whether it be Mid South or maybe it be, or whether it be WWF and a little in WCW. He is the voice of my life. So there's no way you will ever get me to say anything bad about Jim Ross. And you know when it's time for him to hang up? When he says he wants to. Not a second before.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And even if, like, I dislike a lot of people. I dislike Fat Bastard. I'm not sending him death threats. It's that simple. You don't do that. Because it's fucking stupid and it's wrong. And even if you don't like somebody don't fucking do that because it's fucking gross. So, stop it.
1: Oh, and a big congratulations to the one, the only, the hot mess, I don't know if she's playing that character, Chelsea Green signing with yes. R.R.H. The uh, uh, sign with Ringo Honor. I I, I completely understand her reasoning. She wants to be in a company where she can be featured. I I mean, she'd be in AEW and they treat her well, but You know, before she became the woman, it'd be a while. I mean, there are people ahead of her there. So ROH is trying to build a women's division. Uh, They're trying to make it matter. That's the perfect place for Chelsea Green.
0: Absolutely. Congrats to her. I think she'll do great there. She debuted at Best in the World. And some other stuff happened on the show. I just saw the uh, results of the Ring of Honor Championship match. I won't say it, so I don't spoil it for Floyd. Um, But yeah, it's... I'm glad to see Ring of Honor's back doing uh, doing shows. Yeah. Shout out to Ian Riccoboni. Uh We need to play NBA 2K at one point.
1: Yeah. The big thing with Deanna Peraza, like, Deanna Peraza, you know, signed with Impact. And I was like, the same way. This is a perfect place for her to be featured. And look at how she's been featured. She has built her star up so much.
0: Oh, yeah. That
1: when her contract with Impact's up and maybe she wants to come to AEW. It is a big deal. The virtuosa Deanna Parano coming to AEW is a huge deal. I feel like Chelsea Green can get that same energy and that same kind of traction from ROH. I'm not saying their feeder systems at all. Maybe Chelsea Green and Deanna want to be happy there forever. And to them, if that's that, I tip my hat to you. Because I personally know AEW is not going to sign every wrestler. But it was like, if you think you're the person go to where they're going to book you like the person. Because when it comes down to it, when you go to that next job, if you weren't the guy at that company before or the person at the company before, more than likely you're probably not going to be the person at the company you go to.
0: Yeah, man. It just makes, <laughs> makes, makes sense. If you want to be booked like like how you want to be booked, go to that company that would do that.
1: Yeah, and it's like Deanna Prazo, Like, I don't know how long her contract's up, but, man, how she's been pushed in Impact Wrestling. I mean, if she shows up in Jacksonville or whatever city AEW's in, the crowd's going to go wild because she has made herself a much bigger
0: name being in Impact. Totally. But with that little news headline out and uh, wrapped up, we can call it on this episode of all things Elite, thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. It means the world to us. Be sure to continue to share the podcast with everyone you can. It really helps us out. Um, leave a rating and review. Keep downloading the show. Uh, leave a donation through Red Circle if you wish. It would be incredibly generous of you. On Twitter, we are at, AT elite Pod At Social Suplex, those are our podcasting network that makes this show pod- possible. And be sure to check out Social Suplex's other podcasts. You will not be disappointed. I am at SZumer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with that, I will send it over to Floyd and he will take us home for this episode. Thank you, guys.
1: Well, a happy July 11th to everyone that listens to the show or July 12th, whenever you get to hear it. Just again, we want to send out our big appreciation for everybody out there for any time you listen to the show. But I still want to say the same thing I've been saying. Be nice. Be nice. I mean, I know the doors are opening. The world's opening back up. (coughs) But you know what? We're still all one. So do your best to just be nice to people. You know, don't go on Twitter talking crap. Wishing people would die. Blaming people for stuff that's not theirs. I've just seen so much this week. It's actually like brought me down, which is almost impossible because it's just a lot of hatred and meanness out there. And I just I, I will say this. I know my little speech at the end of my show probably not going to change one minds. But if it can make one person be nicer, I will do this every week. So when if it comes to home, school or work, always do your best to be elite.